You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more. She seems just fine to me. No more. She should have been more careful. No more. We don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you joined me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a lacking, baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Luis Schiavone. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is accusing Iran of launching an unprecedented attack on the world's energy supply after a drone attack claimed by Houthi rebels set ablaze the world's biggest oil processing facility and an oil field in Saudi Arabia. Iran is denying responsibility. About half of Saudi Aramco's oil production was interrupted by the blaze. Robert McNally, a former energy advisor to the White House, spoke to the BBC about the impact of the attack on the world's oil supply. It is the most valuable piece of real estate on planet Earth that nobody's ever heard of. Not only does it control about 5% of global supply, but more importantly, it controls most of what we call spare production capacity. That ability to bring on extra oil if there's a disruption. Saudi officials say they'll dip into the kingdom's oil stockpiles to make up for resources lost in the attack. A deadline to reach a new contract between the United Auto Workers Union and General Motors has passed without a deal. And it looks increasingly likely the union will call a strike. Michigan Radio's Terry Samilton tells us work is expected to proceed as usual today, but tomorrow could be a different story. The UAW said late Saturday that significant differences with GM remain on wages and other key issues. 
Economist Michael Hicks of Ball State University says the union raised strike pay earlier this year in anticipation of a strike. And brinkmanship at this point would make a lot of sense for GM because they're in a fairly good position given the weakening economy right now to hold back The union has told Sunday shift employees to report for work. So if there is a walkout, it likely will not happen until Monday morning. For NPR News, I'm Tracy Samilton. President Trump says he's considering a mutual defense treaty between the U.S. and Israel. This days before Israel holds elections. NPR's Daniel Estrin explains. Trump tweeted that he spoke with Netanyahu Saturday to discuss the possibility of a mutual defense treaty between the U.S. and Israel. He said that discussions would continue after Israeli elections Tuesday and that he'd meet with Netanyahu at the United Nations later this month. Netanyahu tweeted his thanks and said such a defense treaty would be historic. The gesture by Trump is a boost for Netanyahu just days before he seeks re-election in a tight race. Netanyahu has campaigned on his close ties with Trump. And Trump's tweet about meeting Netanyahu after elections seems to imply he thinks Netanyahu will win. The leaders didn't say what a defense treaty would entail, but the idea has been discussed before to ensure the U.S. would come to Israel's aid in war. In the past, officials in both countries have been hesitant about such a pact, with Israeli officials worried they'd need a U.S. green light before any military action. Daniel Estrin, NPR News, Jerusalem. This is NPR. Coming up next on The Serious Side. A lot of incredible moments, Joe, um, including, uh, well, I think a real low blow. I'm going to have to say it was Matt Gates' level. Uh, Castro versus Biden, who in Castro really went after the former vice president, the former housing secretary, took him on over health care, and Castro essentially implied that Biden is senile. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. to buy in. If you qualify for Medicaid, are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? I mean, I can't believe that you said two minutes ago that they had to buy in, and now you're saying they don't have to buy in. You're forgetting that. I said anyone I mean, like look, your grandmother who like, has no money, she would, system you're automatically, automatically enrolls people regardless of whether they choose to opt in or not. If you lose your job, for instance, his... His health care plan would not automatically enroll you. You would have to opt in. My health care plan would. That's a big difference. I'm fulfilling, fulfilling the legacy of Barack Obama, and you're not. I'll be surprised to him. Stephen A. said that every black person in America should vote Republican for at least one election. Stephen A. Smith is joining me now. Stephen, who are you trying to send a message to? Republicans, Democrats, African Americans, all of the above? I'd go with all of the above. That sounds about right. But specifically the Democratic Party from the standpoint that I definitely believe that the black vote has been taken for granted. Two years in, here's an updated list of Trump's 30 biggest broken promises. Number one, he told you he'd cut your taxes and that the super rich like him would pay more. I I think there's very little benefit for people of wealth. You bought it. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Wilde Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell. Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Wow. 
Good Sunday morning to you folks. Today is September 15, 2019, and you're in tune to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Like the man said, I'm J. Rouse. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your Sunday with us. And as always, I never share the stage by myself. Let me introduce you to some of the best of the best. First up, we missed her last week. My big sister's in the house, just bringing that southern twang and that... Uh, CNN and MSNBC twist to the mix. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Vanessa May Belly. What's going on, Vanessa? Good morning, Jay. Good morning. I am so glad to be here. I miss y'all. I've been rolling with my husband. And you know what? Today is Texan JJ. And my daughter gave us her tickets. And baby... We are ready to rock and roll. Let's talk about the debate. How you doing? <laughs> we, hey, uh, you know what? I'm doing fine. I can't even top that. We should, hey, good night, everybody. Good morning, everybody. I'll see you. The show's <laughs> over. Let's get stuff. Can't wait to get into that conversation with you as well. Thank you so much, Big Sis, for being in the house. Next up, the man who is, I call him the educator brother, the brother that brings his smooth those smooth baritone pipes to the show with all that edumacation behind it. The one and only Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning, sir. How are you? Welcome in. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. I am truly blessed and thankful to be here and thankful to have an opportunity to come into the homes of the listeners. Miss Vanessa, we certainly missed you last week and um, pray that all went well with your explorations and excursions throughout the United States, which you typically do, definitely. And to, to, to Les and Jerome, I certainly appreciate always having an opportunity to, to share the stage with each one of you all. So again, thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Mr. Elias is uh, off this morning, but I'm pretty sure he'll be tuning in. Of course, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome, which usually joins us after his uh, commitment to Clear Channel Radio, the birthday boy. Hopefully he'll be here soon. Maybe I'll sing happy birthday to him. In the meantime, in between time, we'll hold it down. The number is 347-850-1272. Let me tell you what's happening this morning. First up, Dems fight it out. The Democratic debate was a huge love fest. For one president, and it was President Obama. I wonder how he felt after all the gushing reviews and all the love that the Democrats showed for the former president after they just went after him like it was nobody's business during the last debate. We'll talk about that. Also, black Republicans, why do some African Americans support the GOP? It's like a mystery to us. Stephen A. Smith, uh, Everyone knows who he is from ESPN, says that, you know, black folks should vote Republican at least one election. We'll listen to his explanation coming up. Also, third and final set, broken promises. Our job here on the serious side is to expose this guy in the White House for who he is, right? He's a liar. So, President Obama continue, I'm sorry, President Donald Trump, so hard for me to say President Donald Trump in the same line, uh, continues to lie and break campaign promises, but yet his followers remain loyal. What is it? Tell you what we're going to do. We have a surprise for all you folks. We're going to look at 30, count them, 30 lies, our broken campaign promises that this president has made. And I don't know if that's going to change your minds or not, but we'll see. Plus, in this week's edition of In 4 Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, farmers, well, they are hurting because of this president, but they continue to 
walking lockstep with them. What's going on? All right, the number is 347-850-1272, and you all know the rule. If Mr. LES is not here, chat room is not open. Sorry about that. A lot of stuff I have to do during the course of the show. And so, unfortunately, uh, no chat room, which means to people who are out there on social media, we will not be able to read your comments, with the exception of a few, you know, the pastor. Mariana music. But outside of that, you know, sorry, that's just the way it works. All right, three four seven eight five oh one two seven two. Let's talk about what happened. This past week the Democrats uh met in Houston, Texas at a historical black college, Texas Southern University, and they had a Duke out. Let me tell you something. The biggest moment that people were talking about uh, after the debate was over was the exchange between uh, uh, Secretary Castro and Vice President Biden. But let's before we get into that, let's just talk about the uh-huh. overall debate. Vanessa, well, give me your give me your thoughts. How did you think it went? Do you think Joe Biden? Do you think anything will change as far as the pecking order of the front runner and you know the top five? Do you think that will change based on the performances yes, from last week? Uh-huh, really? I do because okay. I well, I think that Castro made a mistake. They have talked about Castro up and down the the Facebook page and Joy's page mm-hmm. and see Don Lemon's yeah. page like you would not believe because he attacked the vice president and wanted to call him senile and the man didn't even make the mistake. He did. Joe Biden did say that if people could not afford it, that they could opt in or whatever. Castro's the one who made the mistake, so he had a, a, a early all-timer moment. He's the one that messed up. So I think that people are going to look at him differently and that his numbers are going to drop just like Camilla Harris's numbers dropped after she attacked Joe Biden. So you know what? People need to learn not to really attack him because the young people – might like Warren and Kamala Harris. I'm, I'm getting to the point I love Warren, but I don't want Warren as president. I want her as vice, and then I want her to become president. So I'm just saying the young people want Warren to come in, or that Buddha, Buddha, what's his name, Buddha Jig, or whatever Buddha his Jig. name is. They want, yeah. they want him. They want him. The older and the middle want Biden. So anybody who's going after Biden, they just sticking their foot in their mouth. Because somewhere off in there, Biden is going to be up top. He does. I just believe that. I believe that Biden's going to be the up top, but Biden's going to have to pick a woman to be his VP. And I personally do not want it to be Kamala Harris. Now, I do think that when she opened up the show and said, Mr. President, she talked about him up, down, and round the corner. And then she said, you can go back and look at Fox News. I was on the floor. I was hollering when she did that. But that does not make her a president because she did that. So I'm still not sold on Sister Harris. She still ain't got uh-huh. me yet. Okay. I'm, I'm Fair looking enough. at Warren. Now, Warren talks with him. Uh, well, you know, listen, I, I tell you what, uh, we're going to do. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Warren uh, next week. I found some stuff. Uh, she was really a thorn in the uh, Obama president uh, during the Obama administration. She was a thorn. I found a story about how she was going back and forth with, with President Obama and really kept him up at night for some of the things that she was doing and saying. So we're going to dive into that next week because I think everybody needs to know everything about all of these candidates. Now, you talked about that exchange between uh, – 
you talked about that exchange between uh, Castro and Biden, and you know I think a lot of people are looking at it from that perspective as well. Let's hear let's hear Morning Joe's take on what happened, and then the smartest man in the world has showed up. We'll bring him in after this. <laughs> The difference between what I support and what you support, Vice President Biden, is that you require them to opt in. And I would not require them to opt in. They would automatically be enrolled. They wouldn't have to buy in. That's a big difference because Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. He wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would not. They do not have to buy in. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. To buy in. If she qualifies, are are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? There were so many things wrong with that, Joe. Um, Rookie, low blow. Obviously, so obsessed with uh, Joe Biden that he was going after Biden. Uh, being proud of working in the Obama administration, but then not taking responsibility for what went wrong. I think Julian Castro worked in the Obama administration as well. Maybe he forgot. The problem with Castro's swipe, as the Daily Beast Sam Stein and NBC's Mike Memoli point out, Biden actually said the opposite. So there's so many things wrong with what Julian Castro said. And Mika, I want to go back to what you had just said before. If Julian Castro was so offended by Barack Obama's position on health care, which he is, obviously. Yeah, very Extraordinarily offended by Barack Obama's positions on health care. And if he was so extraordinarily of health care, and if he was so extraordinarily offended by Barack Obama's positions on immigration, he was in the administration. Why didn't he resign in protest? I mean, this is, yeah, Willie, it's, it's, it, it, it It is hard to imagine how Julian Castro could have looked much worse last night. First of all, of course, the obvious low blow, the cheap shot, the ageism, saying you don't even remember what you said. But then the problem is that he got that wrong. Maybe he has hardening of the arteries at, what, 40-whatever, however old he is. That's what we used to call it in aught seven, hardening of the arteries. So, you know, so the guy got the information wrong. And, and Johnny D, let me get your thoughts on it. What, what, do you, what do you think about the debate last night, man? I mean, the other night. What do you think about that? And especially that moment where Castro went after the former vice president when he had his facts wrong. You know, it was politics at its worst, um, as far as I'm concerned. And the reason why I say that, Jay, is because it was a, 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 a clear demonstration of what politicians and those individuals who seek to be elected officials will do. As you indicated, the previous debate, uh, there was no real admiration uh, given to to President Obama. And I think after the pundits uh, set back and, and they charted the course on what went wrong and what went right, they understood that they've got to have that President Obama base and that support because he is now clearly the face of the Democratic Party and the face of the president uh, as we know it as far as being ethical and and, and moral. So from that perspective, I thought that the shift by all of the candidates was was clearly different than what it was in the previous. Uh, 
Camilla Harris, I, I will show some respect to what she did when she shifted the focus from one another, uh, from the attacks against those 10 that was on that stage and Diaz to um, the current criminal that's in Washington. And I, I like that transition that she made. Now, of course, she, she, she was a little, uh, she, she, she was a little uh, interested in, in her descriptions and, and, and her cliches. But the reality of it is that she put the center back on the individual that needs to be out of Washington uh, by 2020. Uh, Julian Castro, very disappointed. Uh, at one point, I thought he would probably be a high-level um, cabinet member, maybe Secretary of State or Secretary of Homeland Security within this current administration, and, and potentially potentially a, a VP candidate. He certainly does not have name recognition or the support to have ever um, been elected with the nominee. But maybe what everyone is looking at uh, with these attacks on the front runner, uh, because he was way out of pocket with, with the Joe Biden thing. And, and I was sitting there scratching my head like, I don't remember him saying that. Now, of course, I had the, the, the DVR and had to go back and I said, well, he never said it. So, of course, after the show and the broadcast and the following day, you know, when everyone said, well, he didn't say that, I was like, okay, well, I, you know, didn't hear what he said that was supposedly heard. But I think what what's happening is that you go back to 2015 and 16 where, the you know, criminal Trump had no, had absolutely, there would have been no one who would have predicted that he would have won, won the Republican nomination, let alone right. been seated in the office of the president. So right now you've got individuals who just coming co- coming from the left hook saying you know what I can win. Realistically, there has to be that when, when you when you do a self reflection, and this is this is what bothers me about people when they hype themselves. You know, I know what my limitations are. Now, of course, I accentuate the things that I do well, but those limitations, I just try to work on them daily. But I I, I don't tell anybody that I, I can be more than than what I can. Now, of course, for those who out there who, who may suggest that, well, you know what, you 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 lessening yourself. The reality of it is is that there's a there's this probably four or five individuals on that on, on that stage that can that can take a national ticket. It appears to me like you know, those others should be trying to line themselves up as potential cabinet members or the vice president nominee. But when you attack an individual who's probably going to win the uh the, 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 the party nomination, I, I just don't see where that does any good. I did not see where his comments and some others' comments against one another is going to help long term because trust that there's someone in, in in that in that criminal's regime who's writing down every little sentence that's being said so that he can regurgitate it back on the big stage when it's the Democratic nominee versus the criminal that's currently in in the White House. So overall, I thought it was politics at its worst because of the shift. I mean, everybody, you know, saluted and gave accolades to President Obama, which they should have, but they should never, they should never have come out against him in the first place. So now to come right. back and try to redo it, I just thought was a mockery in and of itself. Uh, there were a few people that I will say kind of stood out, um, but all in all, again, it, it was politics. Politics as usual, absolutely. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two twenty three minutes after the hour. Let's bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree's in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm good. How you doing? 
doing it's outstanding, Jerome. Boy. It's a birthday boy. We're gonna sing happy birthday to you doing the third no, no, set, no, man. No, just you know, just I got missed. Okay, it. it was uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no problem, Jerome. You ungrateful so and so. Go ahead. <laughs> I know you are. So now, uh, Jerome, uh, interesting, you know, as always, when things like this happen, um, uh, I'm always, you know, I can't wait to Sunday. When we have something that happens during the, during the week, I can't wait to Sunday because I can't wait to think or get your thoughts on what happened. So uh, give it to us. What did you think about the debate? Uh, you know, uh, Johnny D said some things that I agree with. I mean, Julian Castro, he's on the edge of the stage. You know, if he takes a step to the left, he's going to fall off. And the bottom line is that he came after Biden. And, you know, like Morning Joe and like uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Przinsky, they said, look, you were part of the administration. All of a sudden you have a problem with the administration. You sat right there. But it looks like, you know, politics as usual because you're trying to go after the front runner to make a name for yourself. What say you, Jerome, about the debate itself in the whole? Well, for, from, you know, picking up where Johnny D left off, he, he's absolutely right at the the – the changes of all of the candidates towards the Obama administration and, and Obama himself, President Obama himself. Now, here is where this gets tricky. If a lot of black people watch the first debate and then watch this one, I, I'm just saying Joe Biden's numbers would be a lot higher because we don't like that kind of flip-flopping because that means your right. opportunity, your, your opportunities on black people, right? It's like Good that job. whole, remember you used to, say, the sister soldier moment Clinton thing, where yep. white folks seem to take advantage of actually dogging somebody black and then tries to split them to make it look like they're neutral, that, mm-hmm. all of them would have got an F for, for that. So black people would have just been all in on Biden. Biden has some problems, by the way, you know, but yeah. his, he got old white man problems with black people, right? And that's a little bit different, but our thing is, in watching the debate, Watching all of them pat President Obama on the back is crazy to me because now you know they're checking out their polls. They're saying, oh, Obama's popular. It reminds me of the midterms when President Obama was in office. He was extremely popular. He still can get 40,000, 50,000 people in the stadium, and the Democrats were like, oh, we got to you know, watch out for Obamacare. Like the Democrats were scared of poor white folks. The impression of Obama was bad amongst white people, although everybody liked the president. So they're playing a really tricky game that actually turns us off in politics. So overall, the the whole debate – oh, and by the way, even on Morning Joe, I'll critique that too because I don't like those guys in particular because they are blue dog Democrats, and Joe is a Republican. So when you listen to Claire McCaskill or Willie Geist or a lot of those guys on Morning Joe – they still want to keep status quo as well, right? They're not progressive at all. So even in their reporting, they're critiquing it from a perspective that is still keeping status quo. And it's not good for us, um, not good for us as a country, but just generally as a community. They just can't figure out a way to to chip off the Biden support so they write it off as, oh, because he hung with the black first black president, black people like him. Which means that they are. Man, I think they all like Biden. Uh, I think all of them like Biden. I mean, I watch it religiously, and you know, they are on Biden's bandwagon. I think everybody on that show. No, is, no, no. I, I watch it. They, they're, they're seeing the inevitability of Biden. Because oh, okay. think about it this way: 
what, what happened was before he jumped in the race, all of those guys were like, first of all, Biden needs to come in, and if it's coordination like uh, um, like Hillary Clinton, then Biden's going to lose. Now that it's kind of close and people are going back and forth, they're like, oh, this looks bad for Biden. They, you can't not win. So I can tell you, when you're doing your campaign, and while I'm watching this, if I was working inside this campaign, this is yeah. a great place to be. If I was on Biden's team, this is a great place to be because you can't win. Like, if you were beating everybody too bad, he would get more scrutiny. When it's close, the people at the bottom is going to take shots at you to try to come up on you. So that's where Julian um, Castro comes in, where he, whoever he's listening to, you know, is giving him some bad advice. But he saw Kamala get a bump in her fundraising and a little bit in her in her um and that was like a temporary bump in her polling. Yeah, exactly. It did not work. Her taking a shot at Biden. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, so, no. I was agreeing with you. You're right about that. Yeah, and so Castro, um, just like Kamala, have blown their chances of vice president because Biden is mean, just like President Obama is mean. And I think we don't, you know, when you look at personalities, you're like, oh no, he'll forgive that and bring everybody back together. I would not. No, he won't. I'm saying I wouldn't either. You can believe that nonsense all you want to, and I am very diplomatic when it comes wait, to Let me ask you something. So, so you really and truly think, because I was thinking the same thing, right, because I'm thinking he was thinking, okay, i got to have a female, and it, I need to have a minority. And the person that fits that bill right now is uh, Senator Harris. And I thought that she probably maybe, I still think she thinks she can win, uh, but I know that she's not coming after him like she did before. You, you don't think she's saying, okay, let me leave him alone, because if I can't win, at least I could be on the ticket, so that way, you know, that'll make me stronger for my own presidential ambitions. You don't think that she's she's pulling off and he won't select her because of what you think because of what happened before. He's going to hold that against her, even though he, she hasn't come after him in the last two debates. I got, I have one word yeah, for you. Did you see who was talking after? Did you see who was talking to each other on the stage after it went off? He was over there talking to Warren. He wasn't talking to the rest of the people. He wasn't talking to well, she was, he was, he, she was standing right next to him. She could, he couldn't walk over there and talk to Camilla. They weren't next to each other for that. I mean, he could have walked away from Warren if he wanted to, but he didn't. He stood there and held yeah. conversations with Buttigieg and whatever his name is and Warren and the rest of them. He didn't talk to Camilla. He didn't talk to Castro. So he is not going to be looking at them. I mean, I would be mean and evil, and I wouldn't have them on my page either. They... They might could get a job, a job in the cabinet or something, but they wouldn't be yeah. my VP. I would, I would uh, not pick one of now, these mine. Now, um, what's the one word, Jerome? They're, they're at uh, CSU, right? So yeah, they have a black yeah. audience. That is, that's right. important to watch. I'm glad that Vanessa brought that up because symbolically, that, that's important to watch. I would think that they are keeping like each other's close. I mean, I, they've been senators for who knows how long, Warren and yeah. Sanders and Biden. Biden got along with all of them as senators because, I mean, that's why when they had to do affordable health care, Biden um, convened the Senate because, you know, the vice president is the head of the Senate. So even though the Democrats had control, Biden actually ran the Senate and convened the Senate. So the majority leader did not do a lot during the, that first year 
um, the first couple of years of the Obama administration because Biden's told, sole responsibility was wrangling the senators just to pass affordable health care. So Biden has relationships with them already. That's why Kamala's issue was she played nice with him all that time and was like, I'm on your side, I'm on your side. And it took him by surprise when she, she took a shot at him. He's like, okay, it's like yeah. that, right? So, yeah. But yeah. I, I do want to say whether it's, um, you know, again, I think too much stuff is going to come out about um, Warren. Regardless of what criticisms Biden has and his issues with black people, I can tell you Warren's is not better. She, she, she is not going to have a better relationship with black folks. And uh, Bernie Sanders isn't, and Buddha Judge isn't. So when they yeah. keep saying stuff like, you know, on, on Morning Joe, hey, we're talking about the young black folks and the old black folks. I, I have this to say to them. How voting goes, the old black folks do influence the young black folks. Stop trying to separate yeah. us. It's like always separating black men and women. It's like the black women are educated, but black men don't do this. That is bull. I can tell you when black people get rolling, we usually um, influence those people who are, are, are downwind of us. The, the younger folks, even if you're in the middle, you can influence the older folks, but it, doesn't, it never groundswells from the bottom up, not politics. So the more important thing for me is when I look at, you know, Castro and look at Warren and look at uh, Judge and all those guys, who, who, not Warren in particular, but anybody who has to take a shot at Biden just to get their poll numbers up, they are going to lose. So um, I agree. It's difficult. Oh, and by the way, when you said that about who is he going to pick for uh, vice president, I think I said this on this program before. I got one word for you, Keisha. You're talking yeah, about you did say that. That's right. That's right. Oh, he actually, yeah, the, the mayor of Atlanta. She's the mayor of Atlanta. Uh, yeah, you know that's uh, that's right. I mean, that's somebody that uh, that he's in line with, and uh, you know, she's a she's a rising star in the Democratic Party. So you guys need to Young. get out there. Oh, you talking about some research on her? The one yeah. who ran and they killed the election from her. Is that a person? No, no, no. no, no, you're, no. Talking you're talking about, about no. You talking about Abrams? That's, Stacey Abrams. Yeah. That's Stacey Abrams. Yeah, do it. Look, yeah. Look her up doing the break, uh, Vanessa. I mean, it, she, she's somebody that's uh, up and coming in the Democratic Party, and uh, and uh, she's somebody that I think her is going to be. Keisha Keisha Bottoms. She's the mayor of Atlanta. She's she's. Okay. I wouldn't say she's young, she's younger than um, um, Kamala, Kamala, but let me tell you this: Kamala, that yeah. she's smart. She's done national interviews. She's been on a ton of shows, and she's sitting yeah. out there. If when you want to talk about somebody who is running a major city, right? I mean, they picked Sarah Palin. Atlanta's bigger than Alaska, right? Just well, we don't want that Your response. I'm just saying, though, when you when you talk about that, mm-hmm. you're talking about getting somebody from the south. You know, yeah. I don't think Stacey and them will be like, no, don't go. You know, don't go at her. I think she will be a good pick for them. But yeah. there are a lot of people out there right. that's a good pick for them without having to pick somebody on that stage. So you can piss yeah, me off if you want right to. If I was if I was the forerunner, but <clears throat> do you think that them fools are the only people to choose from for vice president? Nah. That's true. I mean, you're right about that. All right, we got to step out. All right, listen, uh, coming up in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We talked about this at the top of the segment, uh, how farmers are being affected by Donald Trump's uh, trade wars. And the fact that some of these people are still in this guy's hip pocket is fascinating to me. So it's time for this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. Good morning.
Farmers in the rural Midwest say they're struggling. They blame President Trump's ongoing trade war and a recent decision on renewable fuels made from corn and soybeans soybeans that helps the oil industry. Here's Iowa Public Radio's Clay Masters. Near his farm just north of Des Moines, Aaron Lehman steers his tractor down a rural road carrying a couple loads of hay. Lehman is president of the Iowa Farmers Union and says his members are in rough shape. We are tightening our belt. We're talking to our lenders, our landlords, our input suppliers, trying to find any way we can to cut costs just to make ends meet. Lehman didn't vote for Donald Trump, and he says with low commodity prices, Midwest farmers are concerned about the escalating trade war. Instead, we chose to insult our trade allies, pick all sorts of fights with our trade allies, and then go to China and make outrageous demands that we knew were not going to be met. The Trump administration has doled out billions of dollars in relief to farmers for taking the brunt of the trade war. And back in June, President Trump came to Council Bluffs, Iowa, with an announcement meant to calm those concerns. His administration cleared the way for higher blends of corn-based ethanol. For context here, 40% of the United States corn crop goes to ethanol production. We lifted the restrictions on E15 just in time to fuel America's summer vacations. We just made. But the president also granted dozens of waivers to oil refineries, exempting them from blending ethanol. That's leading more than 15 ethanol plants to close their doors. Trump recently tweeted he would be unveiling a giant package that would help these farmers. But Iowa Democratic Congresswoman Cindy Axney, who faces a tough race next year, says she'll believe it when she sees it. He said he's the best thing that's ever happened to farmers. And literally, two months later, had his finger on issuing waivers to Exxon and Chevron, multi-billion dollar companies. But some farmers, like Dave Walton with the Iowa Soybean Association, welcomed the president's negotiating. We can only talk so much before we have to take action. He, he took action. And we really saw this coming. I mean, he campaigned on it, so it's no surprise. Walton voted for the president in 2016. He admits the negotiations have gone on longer than he thought they would, and soy biodiesel has also been affected by those refinery waivers. Ask him if he's voting for Trump next year. My vote's still up for grabs. Economist Ernie Goss at Creighton University says his research shows the president's trade policies are shrinking the rural economy. Goss oversees a monthly survey of rural bank CEOs in the Midwest and Plains. Seven out of ten of the bankers support either continuing with the tariffs or in some cases raising the tariffs. So they their belief is that the, sh- the long-term gain will outweigh the short-term pain. That ain't something Democrats running for president are talking about in Iowa. Democrats are hoping to peel off some of Trump's support. It's high hopes in swing states like Iowa, which went for the president by almost 10 points in 2016. Stephen A. said that every black person in America should vote Republican for at least one election. Stephen A. Smith is joining me now. Stephen, who are you trying to send a message to? Republicans, Democrats, African-Americans, all of the above? I'd go with all of the above. That sounds about right. But specifically the Democratic Party from the standpoint that I definitely believe that the black vote has been taken for granted. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two thirty nine minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. And it's best if you didn't recognize the voice of Stephen A. Smith, ESPN's own Stephen A. Smith. 
the host of uh, one of the hosts of First Take. You know everybody. Everybody knows who he is. The Big Mouth guy on ESPN that's always talking like he knows everything. Well, he made these comments, and in fairness to Stephen A. Smith, he made these comments four years ago. And I thought it was interesting when I was doing some research for the show and I ran across these comments because I was always trying to figure out why do we have black folks who support the Republican Party with everything that the Republican Party stands for. And there has to be a reason for it, right? Because black Republicans get discriminated against just like, you know, uh, Democratic Republicans, black Democratic Republicans. I mean, uh, black Democrats, I should say. So it was interesting to me. But I want to play in its entirety what Stephen A. Smith had to say. Then I want to get our comments and make our comments about it on the other side. So here's Stephen A. Smith uh, talking about how, <laughs> I guess I'm trying not to giggle, uh, how black folks should at least vote for the GOP once during the election. Do you agree with his analysis? We'll talk on the other side. Stephen A. said that every black person in America should vote Republican for at least one election. Stephen A. Smith is joining me now. Stephen, who are you trying to send a message to? Republicans? Democrats, African-Americans, all of the above? I'd go with all of the above. That sounds about right. But specifically the Democratic Party from the standpoint that I definitely believe that the black vote has been taken for granted. And primarily the black community is, is at fault in my estimation in that regard, simply because on one hand, we're giving one party our vote because they've successfully gone about the business of convincing our community that the other party, the Republican Party, is completely against the interest of the black community. And as a result, we've been very transparent in our support. We've boarded hook, hook, line, and sinker. We look at the Republican Party. I'm not talking about every single one of us, of course, but vast majority of black Americans look at the Republican Party as the enemy. We look at the Democratic Party even tacitly as our support base. And as a result, we are very transparent in our support for them. So because of it, they have a license to take us for granted. The Republican Party has a, light to, uh, a license to summarily dismiss us because they believe they'll never get our vote anyway. And then we end up finding ourselves devoid of any kind of representation whatsoever because nobody is really competing to garner our vote and our support. So I said what I said because I wanted folks in my community to stand up and recognize that if you go to a house, or you go and buy a car or whatever the case may be. You don't just see something you want and say, I want that. Tell me what the price is and I'll pay for it. Somebody has to flatter you in order to garner your dollars and your support. I think the same should apply to politicians who represent us. Let me put this in the context of 2016, because I, I think given, sure. the mo given the monolithic nature of the African-American vote, a lot of Republicans don't even make the ask. Rand Paul right. is making the ask. Is there anything that he can say? that you think can change this equation? Well, first of all, he can highlight some of the inconsistencies and discrepancies the opposing party might be throwing in our direction, things that we may not know. That's number one. Number two, one of the things that you need to do as a Republican, particularly if you're running for the presidency, you have to surround yourself with a bunch of folks that look like us and not just you, that look like Hispanics and not just you. <laughs> Now, in fairness to Stephen A. Smith, he did make those comments, as you heard in the uh, the clip, four years ago. So I'm, I'm not sure where he is on this now. But the fact that he even thought or was thinking along these lines was very intriguing to me. Let's start the conversation off right there. Johnny D., what do you think, man? Do you agree with his assessment that an African-American, as African-Americans, we should vote at least for the GOP at least once? And, and, and do you do you believe or agree with his logic for doing this? 
I don't agree with a blanket approach, but I, I, what what happened when he made that 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 analogy, Jay? I, I tell you, I don't agree with Steve A. a. Smith on the majority of what he said, if anything. But on that <laughs> one, I I, I I really had to sit back and, and say, wow, 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 we are kind of aligned in our thoughts because. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that the really? Democratic Party has always taken it. Oh, certainly they have. Indeed, they take us for granted, um, uh, the black vote for granted. And therefore, they sit there and they promise and they come to your churches and, and do exactly what the opposite of what they say they're going to do when they depart. Now, as far as a, a, a blanket approach to say that you vote for Republican Party, now this is for all of the, the, the listeners out there who, who claim that it's just straight straight ticket Democrat. Um, I have voted for Republicans and continue to vote for Republicans who are more moderate in their thinking. You know, as, as I have gotten older, certainly my values have become a little bit more centered, and I would hate to use the term conservative, but the reality of it is is that I'm a little less ambitious when it comes to, to just Paul Blanche, you know, widespread degrees of variances that, that sometimes cause some conflict. So I put a lot of logic to things, and I say, okay, you know what? You want to do this, but then that's where the Q&A comes in. There. So that's why I say I'm a little bit more centered, but again, I've, re- I've voted for Republican governors. Uh, I, I've voted for Republican House members, uh, and, and so I have supported uh, independence, so I'm not a, a straight-ticket uh, Democrat, uh, but Stephen A. Smith and his analogy, I thought was 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 on point. You know, um, I think this year, I will say this. You know, in years past, in 2016, everyone was courting the Hispanic and Latino vote. In 2012 and in 2008, it was the Hispanic and Latino vote. What I see now is that for the African American community, the black community, or the blacks who live in America, is how I identify myself. I think that there is some political capital that is, 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 is yet to be harvested during this particular election here. Now, of course, the, the Republican parties are so, so extreme in, in their thoughts now to where they, they, they pretty much just you know, shut the door and say, you know what, we're not even going to attempt because of, of that thought and, and that ideology that you know, we're not going to get their vote. And, and a lot of it has to do with just this you know, this anti-everything other than, than, than the middle-aged white man mentality that, that's being promoted from that criminal that's in Washington. But, yeah, I would have to agree that the Democratic Party has taken the African-American vote for granted for a long period of time. You know, when you go back in the chronicles of history, um, even though their votes probably didn't mean a great deal, uh, Mr. Rebels and Mr. Rainey, the first two senators, uh, what, the first senator and the first individual in the House, from Mississippi and South Carolina, I guarantee you that they didn't have much power, particularly coming out of those states, but they were Republicans. So, yeah, Stephen A. was dead on in 2016. I don't know where he stands now, but I do think that we need to to really look at, look at our political capital in this upcoming election right here and use it not just to get, 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 get idle words, but to get some commitment from these candidates that they are going to do something within the African-American community. Wow, interesting. What about you, Vanessa, your thoughts? you agree with uh, Stephen A. Smith that uh, African-Americans uh, need to uh, at least one cycle vote Republican? 
for the reasons that he expressed. No, what, no, I don't. What I do believe is that African Americans. Well, I was raised to vote Democrat. I was raised going to the voting poll with my mama, even when I wasn't old enough to vote, to just stand there and be with my mama while she was voting. And then as we got older as children, we went out to the middle-class black neighborhood where I was raised in, and we went and we voted, still voted with our mother, even though we were registered to vote somewhere else. And then as we got older, we started voting in our neighborhood and taking our children. And my mom would tell us, to listen to each one of the black candidates and she would analyze for us and say this one is going to do this and this one is going to do that and we chose between the Democrats which one we thought would benefit us. We didn't always agree with my mama with who she thought would be the perfect Democrat but she did teach us to vote Democrat and to analyze which Democrat would do something that benefited me and my life, and then would benefit my sister with her life if it wasn't the same thing. So I'm not going to go and just vote Republican just to say, oh, because the Democrats ain't doing anything for us. They've been lying to us for years. The Democrats have been lying to us for years as to what they were going to do for us. But guess what? I'm still not going to vote Republican for Donald racist-ass Trump. How about that? So... I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not going to, this ain't going to, if I do decide to switch parties at one point, it ain't going to be this one. It ain't going to be this time. So I'm going to say, if you decide that you want to switch parties or one time, let it be because of something that you want that that candidate say they're going to give you or they're going to do or what their history is showing. But I wouldn't change just to say, oh, we need to change because my black, my black classmates that voted for Trump. When I last saw them, they all looked like idiots. When I said, how y'all doing? Is y'all, are y'all making America great again? They were like, Vanessa, leave us alone. So they're not going to do, they're not going to make that mistake again. They're not going to make that mistake again. So I do not agree with him exactly based on what he said. I just say, if you want to vote, change parties, you need to know who you're changing parties for. And even if you are voting Democrat, Make sure that you know who you're voting, you're voting for as a Democrat, because all of them are not. Example, free, free, free Bernie Sanders. I can't get with him. I can't get with him. I cannot get with him because I have paid taxes and I'm paying taxes at the Wazoo, and he's saying everything to be free, free, free. So you need to vote for who's going to work for you, and he doesn't work for me at all. He ain't even a thought. Well, interesting. All right, uh, Jerome. All right, no problem. Phone callers, we're going to ask you to be patient. I want to get Jerome's uh, take on this, and we'll get to some phone calls. Go ahead, Jerome. What do you think, man? What do you think about this whole thing? You agree um, with Stephen A. Smith? Yeah, you know, okay, so first, don't listen to Stephen A. Smith <laughs> under no circumstances. <laughs> and secondly, to, to Vanessa's point, to the friends that did vote Republican, see how that turned out for you. Did the Democrats learn a lesson for that? And look what you got, because Stephen A. Smith said that before Trump was elected. So how did that work out? Mm-hmm. What lessons has anybody learned for voting Republican across the board? Now, the, now the, the thing that I think is really dumb about what he said was um, kind of the thing that Biden's kind of in trouble for, right? Because so, he, he made a comment about, you know, um, I think they asked him a 
pressing about slavery. I think they were trying to get towards reparations, and Biden started talking about black people in school and having an education and all this other stuff. You cannot blame black folks for things that are happening to us. So when Stephen A. Smith says that the Democratic Party isn't helping us, you're blaming black folks by telling them they need to do something different, and then white folks will change if we do something different. If we get a better education, they get off, get, get off of us. If we just act right and stay in the house, we stop getting shot by police. Like, we keep taking the brunt of everybody else's white supremacy and their oppression. Like, no, no other community does this. So, you know, I don't agree with anybody who, who tells black people they're the problem for their own oppression. And that's essentially what this is. We have to get smarter. We have to be smarter in our, uh, in our, um, in our thoughtfulness when it comes to other black folks, right? Again, white folks don't, you know, we, I do news on here every week, right? And white folks don't say, hey, that, that story that you did about white folks in trailer parks, we take responsibility for that. Like, they don't do that for the least amongst them. I mean, we feel as a community we look out for all of our people, which is great and which, we, which we're supposed to be. But we also take on um, the flaws. So when you say something like black people need to vote Republican to stop Democrats from acting one way, who goes in the voting booth and does not vote? Like, I skip races. So it is not like I say, oh, you know, I'm voting for this person who's a Democrat. I'm voting for this person who's a Republican. And if I don't know either one of those two fools or don't like them, I'll skip over their race and vote on the next line. Right? We are smarter than that. Stop taking us for, like, being little, you know, all black people think alike. All black people just vote Democrat. That's just dumb. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I and agree. It is, it is a campaign's responsibility to get you to vote for somebody, not against someone else. White folks have been playing Absolutely. like that for years. For years, you're right about that. Let's get out to the phone lines. Let's bring in one of our, just our favorite listener of all time. Uh, this guy has been with us from the very beginning, uh, Mr. Convener Man. What's going on, Convener Man? Welcome into the serious side. What's your comment, <laughs> brother? Hey, what's going on? Hope everybody's Family. doing well. Yep. Good, man. How you doing? Yeah, we are, man. Hope you're doing Appreciate well. It. Hope you're doing good as well. What's happening, brother? Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, well, my, my comment is that I, I haven't always voted Democrat. I can vote for whoever, best candidate, especially in places like governor or stuff like that. But uh, so I can, in one point, I can see Stephen A's point, but it, it kind of, it, it, the, the overall point that he's trying, that he's assuming is that black, black people are so stupid that they all vote Democrat. It, it's like, it, it's patronizing yeah. in a way. Like, it, and as far as like going forward, I'm, I'm going to vote Democrat, hopefully vote for Biden. But depending on how this thing plays out, if uh, they start talking about gun confiscation, they start talking about uh, uh, decriminalizing the border, they start talking about paying everybody's debts off and raising my taxes on that stuff, I'm, I might be a, a, a GOP in 2021, depending on how this thing plays out. <laughs> These, these, these people are going way too far. Somebody's free, I mean, free, you got free. a you got a you got a nut out here saying he's going to give everybody a thousand dollars, and and he's on the stage like this serious. Some some nut is going to give everybody a thousand dollars. Another nut is is 
is going to open the borders. Now, how many thousand dollars you got if you're going to open up the borders? <laughs> okay. You go ahead. You know what I'm saying? These people are nuts. I will do like a Joe, a Joe Scarborough. I will go on yeah. and, 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 and renounce my, my party. And I'm out. If they want to let one of these fools in. <laughs> if you're going to do that, man, do it here. If you're going to renounce the party, make sure you do it here where everybody can, can hear. Man, you know, you're always a blessing, brother. Always good to hear from you, man. And uh, be careful out there on that bike. <laughs> Let's bring in our uh, uh, soon-to-be ex-director uh, of social media, but she's still in the house. Let's bring in. She's in early. I guess she has something to say. Good morning, Jackie. How are you? Good morning, Jackie. All right. Can you hear me now? Sorry, sorry. Oh, I had it on mute. How's everybody doing? What's Sorry, going on? How you doing? No, no problem. I'm doing so you well. You must be fired up. You dipping here early. What's going on? What say you? Well, as far as Stephen A. Smith, it, it just seems like, first of all, he contradicts himself. I mean, he says that neither the parties have your best interests at heart, which I, I do agree with. But then you say vote for the Republican Party. Well, look, if they both don't have our interests at heart, then why are we voting on the, either side? See, like, for me, I had to decide. For me, I, seriously, August 2005, I had to make the decision for myself. And I saw that for myself. Nam one of these parties have my best interests at heart. Nam one of them. So, hey, let's go nonpartisan. <laughs> the beautiful choice of nonpartisan. Because I, I, I used to think, well, yeah, who can be nonpartisan? You got to be something. No, no, you don't. <laughs> no, if neither one of these parties have your best interests at heart, hey, nonpartisan. And that's the decision I had to make for me. Because I truly believe No, you can choose that. You know, you can change your, you know, your... Um, well, it's both. I, I guess they call it both. But, but okay. actually now they call it decline the state, whatever they call it. But oh, okay. um, they, they call it all that. But that was the decision that I had to make for me. Because I don't okay. believe either party has my best interest at heart. None one of them do. I, I feel like they played on the pl- plight of the black man and... <laughs> Just to keep us bound. But if neither one has your thoughts, neither one of you have, neither one of them have your best interest. Then wouldn't you think that you might as well just go ahead and vote Democratic? Neither one, because Republicans show. I mean, I just feel, I just, I just feel the freedom of just looking at the people, just looking at them. Despite don't, I want to take. No, 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 I do vote, but I, it leads me to really just look at the person instead of the party, because too many oh, people, they focus on the party, but, okay. but I like to just leave party out of it. Let's just take the party out of it, and I can more so focus on that person and listening to what they say, and whoever I feel 
has my interest, that's who I vote for. I ain't saying well, I don't vote at all. I just, I'm just okay. saying let's leave party out of it. <laughs> I can focus better on the person that way. And you have the freedom to vote for who you want to vote for. I mean, hey, listen, that, that makes sense to me. Vote for who you want to vote for. Sounds like a good thing. Appreciate right. those comments. Appreciate those comments. All right, coming up next, we're going to look at the broken promises of Donald J. Trump. We're going to outline at least 30 of them for you, and you're going to hear them in this their entirety right here on the serious side. We'll take a break from 1 to 15 to make comments, but you're going to hear them all, you Republican people. We'll be right back after this. you listen to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. It is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of the serious side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's the serious side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network.
two years in, here's an updated list of Trump's 30 biggest broken promises. Number one, he told you he'd cut your taxes and that the super rich like him would pay more. I, I think there's very little benefit for people of wealth. You bought it. But his 2017 tax law has done the opposite. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. You're in tune to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. And it's best, of course, it's time to say good morning to some folks, especially the peeps that's in this place. What's going on, Vanessa? Good morning. Good morning. Go Texas. <laughs> on your way to a game. Go ahead and do your thing. The most educated brother in the world, the one and only Mr. Johnny D in the place. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The smartest brother in the world, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit. What's going on, sir? How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing outstanding. Mr. Elias is actually uh, off this morning, uh, so uh, we wish him well, love him to death, love him to pieces. All right, uh, as you all know, that uh, once again, when Mr. Elias is not here, you know, I try to keep it real. No chat room, which means I can't reach out to social media, but I can probably guess a few people who are listening. I want to say what's up to Kavita Manny was just on the air. What's happening to you? I know Easy's probably in the house. The pastor's in the house. Mariana Music's probably tuned in from wherever she may be across the globe. So she's this fashion motel with your pretty self, girl. What's happening to you? What's up, Carla? What's up to a whole bunch of people that's out there listening to the show? And actually, I did peek. Some of you guys will leave in comments, but I have to be fair. And one of the things that the pastor did say was, listen, in fairness, don't read my comments on the air. Pastor, I just kind of <laughs> did, but I get what you're saying. All right. Also, let's bring in our director for our social media outreach, the one and only Jackie's in the place. Be good morning, Jackie. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody's doing outstanding. And as you all know, if you weren't here last week, Jackie is she has she has tendered or rendered her uh, uh, resignation, so she's here for just one more month. So we're gonna take advantage of it. So Jackie, tell us how people can stay in contact with the show when the show's not live. No, but I don't know where she is. Yeah. like she's on a. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. The minute I get on the train, want to come. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, if you want to keep up with the TJRS Radio Network, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And all three pages have the same ending handle. Facebook.com slash, uh, gosh, Facebook.com slash group, Twitter.com, Instagram.com slash TJRS Radio once again, uh, so appreciate the TJRS Radio Network. I'll repeat it again because I know Vanessa was here last week. My last uh, Sunday being your social media director will be October the 27th. So I appreciate you all for just, I love, love, love the TJRS Radio Network. So love you so much. And I appreciate you. 
She's been a godsend, and we really appreciate everything that Jackie has done for us. And, uh, you know, you guys are sitting here hitting me up on Instagram, on the Jay Ryle Show. You need to go to those other places. I'm, you know, I don't respond to some of that stuff. But anyway, appreciate Jackie, what she's done and what she brought to the table. She's just uh She's a wonderful person, and she will always can always be a member of the TJRS Radio family. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Now, just breaking news: Joe Biden is delivering remarks on race in Alabama, and I'm kind of looking at some of the comments people are saying. They're saying this guy is doing exactly what President Obama did when he was running, and so it's just good for him. So who knows? We may have that conversation next week. But if you want to tune into that, we give you permission to step out and listen. So right now, though, our goal here on the serious side is to point out nonsense and craziness and lies when they become obvious. And so the final set of this show, we're going to spend the last block of this show illustrating at least 30 campaign lies or broken promises that this president has made. So what we're going to do, we're going to play one from 15 first. We'll come back in, give you our commentary on what we think of some of the lies then we'll bring you the 16 from 30. So here are the first 15 broken promises from your president, Donald J. Trump. Two years in, here's an updated list of Trump's 30 biggest broken promises. Number one, he told you he'd cut your taxes and that the super rich like him would pay more. I, I think there's very little benefit for people of wealth. You bought it. But his 2017 tax law has done the opposite. By 2027, according to the Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center, the richest 1% will have received 83% of the tax cuts and the richest one-tenth of 1%, 60% of it. But more than half of all Americans, 53%, will pay more in taxes. As Trump told his wealthy friends at Mar-a-Lago just days after the tax bill became law, you all just got a lot richer. Number two, he promised that the average family would see a $4,000 pay raise because of the tax law. You bought it. But real wages for most Americans are lower today than they were before the tax law went into effect. Number three, he promised to close special interest loopholes that have been so good for Wall Street investors, but unfair to American workers. Especially the notorious carried interest loophole for private equity, hedge fund, and real estate partners. You bought it. But the new tax law kept the carried interest loophole. Number four, he promised to bring an end to Kim Jong-un's nuclear program. You bought it. Kim Jong-un hasn't denuclearized. Number five, he told you he'd repeal Obamacare and replace it with something beautiful, including insurance for everybody. You bought it. But he didn't repeal and he didn't replace, which is just as well. His plan would have knocked at least 24 million Americans off health insurance including many of you. Instead, he's doing what he can to cut it back and replace it with nothing. According to the Commonwealth Fund, about 4 million Americans have lost health insurance in the last two years. Number six, he told you, I'm not going to cut Social Security like every other Republican, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to cut Medicare or Medicaid. You bought it. But now he's planning such cuts in order to deal with the ballooning deficits created in part by the new tax law for corporations and the rich. Number seven, he promised to protect anyone with pre-existing conditions. You bought it. 
But in June, his Justice Department told a federal court it would no longer defend provisions of Obamacare that protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Number eight, he said he'd build a wall across the southern border. You believed him, but there's no wall. Number nine, he told you he'd invest $1 trillion in our nation's crumbling infrastructure. You bought it, but after his giant tax cut for corporations and millionaires, there's no money left for infrastructure. Number 10, he said he drained the Washington swamp. We are going to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. You bought it, but he's brought into his administration more billionaires, CEOs, and Wall Street moguls than any administration in history to make laws that will enrich their businesses. And he's filled departments and agencies with former lobbyists, lawyers, and consultants who are crafting new policies for the same industries they recently worked for. Number 11, he promised to reinstitute a five-year ban on all executive branch officials lobbying the government after they leave government. You bought it. But the five-year ban he signed applies only to lobbying one's former agency, not the government as a whole. Number 12, he said he'd use his business experience to whip the White House into shape. You bought it. But he's created the most dysfunctional, backstabbing White House in modern history. and has already fired and replaced so many assistants that people there barely know who's in charge of what. Number 13, he told you he'd bring down drug prices by negotiating like crazy with drug companies. We are going to get drug prices, prescription drug prices, way down. You bought it. He hasn't. Number 14, he told you he'd stop foreign lobbyists from raising money for American elections. You bought it, but foreign lobbyists are still raising money for American elections. Number 15, he promised six weeks of paid maternity leave to any mother with a newborn child whose employer does not provide the benefit. We can provide six weeks of paid maternity leave to any mother with a newborn child whose employer does not provide the benefit. You bought it. But the giant tax cut for corporations and the rich doesn't leave any money for this. So that's the first 15 lies and, you know, broken promises that this guy's made. Let me just start with you, Jerome. You know, what I don't understand is that this guy continues to lie and, you know, we're going to look into it. How many times have he said, we'll see, you know, we'll see, we'll see, or we're going to look into it, has he said. And once again, he throws his stuff out there. People don't follow up on it. And he continues to lie to the American people. And these people are buying this stuff hook, line, and sinker. What say you? Well, I say look on the bright side. He has something to run on. He could just say the same thing he did last time. <laughs> he has nothing to do. Right? Because you know what happens is that the people who listen to him won't even remember that he promised all those things that he didn't do. He's a joke, like, as far as politics is concerned. Nobody has any expectations of him. The people who who like him, this is my perspective, the people who like him, like what he's doing negatively to negatively impact people. And we right. need to kind of check ourselves as a, as um, I'm being nice by saying we, but as a, as a country to see how could you elect somebody like that? Because people are really happy with him uh, about what he's doing to, you know, in, immigrants and all this other stuff. And even from what Kavina man said, you know, if we're going to have open borders and all of that other stuff, those are talking points. 
Obama did not have open borders. Biden won't no. have open borders. That's crazy right. to even say something like that. But that is such ingrained from the, the Republican talking points that people believe if you give that person this, then everybody's going to get free money, right? They don't but, care I thought about Beto O'Rourke, but I thought Beto O'Rourke said that during the, during the debate talking about uh, the borders being – I thought he said something along those lines. And that's why I assumed uh, Kavina Mayor was going with that, but I may be wrong. Go back and look. What that he was saying we're going to have open borders? Yeah, I thought I thought Beto said something along those lines. That's scary, about... right, folks. Here, here's okay. what I would say to anybody who who believes that. If you've ever heard of this program on True TV called Adam Ruins Everything, watch that yeah. program with Adam Conover, right? And also he he has a uh, a good one about redlining. But look at the one on borders because the reason that we have such an influx of people from the southern borders is because our policy that used to let people go work in farms and and and, um, and migrant work, they used to just come in and go back to Mexico. That's kind of how El Paso was. People would go in, work, go back to Mexico, right? They're doing jobs that nobody's down there doing. They don't have to let fruit and stuff rot on the ground because people would just come do that work and then leave. Once we had stringent border policies they can't leave they can work and send the money back but they can't leave because they're in fear of not coming back so we had more people stuck on the side of the border than we did when we had policies that we actually let them leave right so on canada you can live in the north country of um um, northern new york and work in canada and just come back home why why can't you do that so so the, the whole concept of that is playing on people's fears, and that usually that's working. It still works because if people are still saying that um, that people are coming here, taking up all our jobs, and we that is nonsense. If you can't speak English, there's a lot of jobs that you can't have. What you gonna do, customer service work at J.C. Penney? Right. The <laughs> issue is is that we put a stigma out there, and then we live that stigma. It is the same stigma that black folks have in a lot of areas. Like, if we just had a good education, we'd be all right. It's crazy. A lot of us have good education and still get shot, right? There are things that we need to start to work against um, dispelling myths. We need to start working and doing that. So, no. um, How many people are lined up to pluck some chickens? Right. Nobody's going to line up to do that. If if you've never been on a farm... Especially if you, you know what I mean. If you've never been in in, far, in a farm setting, you're just not going to get people move out of city just to go do um, labor like that. No, no, and, and we need people to come in and do that kind of stuff. Johnny D, man, well, what you think about the? Uh, you know, we still have 15 more to go, but what do you think about so far? Why do why do these people continue to follow this guy? When you know, it's obvious that he just says things just to you know just to say them. He he, he you know he's not putting any political weight behind him because he doesn't know what he's doing. Your thoughts? No, he doesn't. And and the thing is, is you know, we we we're going to reduce the twenty or thirty thousand lies down to thirty. But what doesn't he lie about is probably more of the question. So I'll I'll, yeah. I'll wait on the next fifteen because it was some that I had that uh, just blatantly stick out to me. But they'll probably come. Uh, that segment is doing a real good job of that. Uh, I, I do want to say one thing about. Uh, Beto O'Rourke. I think Beto O'Rourke, yeah. his commentary is more about his relevance 
he probably has figured it out that, you know what, I'm not going to become president, but I can still be relevant. So, therefore, I think he's, he's appealing to the, 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 the far left and in the extreme Ooh. far left uh, with taking weapons, opening up borders, because he, he was the one who made those commentaries. So, I think he's just trying to find his, his audience, and there's an audience out there for that. Now, if you remember when he ran against uh, Ted Cruz, you know, he, he built up a nice little monetary chest. So, you know, this guy will land somewhere, maybe, certainly won't be a VP candidate, but, you know, uh, the Democrats win, uh, whomever the, 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 nominee, the nominee is, you know, maybe he ends up as interior secretary or something like that. So I think he's really playing for influence because, you know, even last week, what did we talk about? We talked about politics is nothing more than influence, you know. Uh, it ain't, it ain't, it's not about what what he's saying uh, at this point in time. It's about sit, simply having a base that he can say, okay, you know what, I can endorse you and you'll get this base. I think that's what his motivation is. But as far as Donald Trump, I'm, I'm eager to listen to the next 15 because we could literally go a whole month uh, doing what he lied about and probably the segment will never end because his lies are continuous even as we go forth. Um, just one point in history, you know, 56 years ago, this was the church bombing of the four uh, African-American females yep. in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. Church. And that's probably that yep. That's probably that correlation with uh, Joe Biden. I hadn't looked at television, but uh, that, that that is a, a point in history. I'm glad you but said that because I was just going to – Yeah, I, I, just, I was just but, about to – I was just about to say that about uh, about Biden, uh, that he is – he's not making a race speech trying to follow in Obama's uh, speech. He's actually commemorating the uh, the, the, the the anniversary of the, the Birmingham church bombings. But that's hold your thought. I want to get these 15 in. I don't want to get you on the other side of this. All right, here are the rest of the 30 broken lies by Donald Trump. <laughs> Number 16, he said he'd create tax-free dependent care savings accounts for younger and elderly dependents and have the government match contributions low-income families put into their savings accounts. You bought it. He's done neither. Number 17, he said that on day one, he'd label China a currency manipulator. We are going to label China a currency manipulator. You bought it. But then he declared China is not a currency manipulator. Number 18, he said he won't bomb Syria. You bought it. Then he bombed Syria. Number 19, after pulling out of the Paris Accord, he said he'd negotiate a better deal on the environment. You bought it. There have been no negotiations. Number 20, he promised that the many women who accused him of sexual misconduct will, in his words, be sued after the election is over. All of these liars will be sued after the election is over. You bought it. He hasn't sued them, presumably because he doesn't want the truth to come out. Number 21, he said he would not be a president who took vacations and criticized Barack Obama for taking too many. I promise you, I will not be taking very long vacations if I take them at all. There's no time for vacation. You bought it. Since becoming president, he spent a quarter of his days at one of his golf properties. Number 22, Trump vowed to push colleges to cut the skyrocketing costs of tuition. You believed him, but he hasn't. Instead, he's made it easier for for-profit colleges to defraud students. 
Number 23, he said he'd force companies to keep jobs in America and that there would be consequences for companies that ship jobs abroad, especially government contractors. Companies are not going to leave the United States anymore without consequences. You believed him. But never before in U.S. history have federal contractors sent so many jobs overseas. There have been no consequences. Number 24, he promised to end DACA. You bought it. And then in January 2018, he promised that DACA recipients should not be concerned. We're going to solve the problem, he said. And then he reversed himself again and vowed to end the program by March 2018. Currently, the federal courts have stayed any action on it. Number 25, he promised to revive the struggling coal industry and bring back lost coal mining jobs. You bought it. But coal is still losing customers as utilities turn to natural gas and renewable power. Number 26, he promised to protect American steel jobs. We will put new American steel into the spine of our country. You bought it. His tariffs on steel have protected some steel jobs, but industries that use steel, like automakers and construction, now have to pay more for the steel they use, with the result that their jobs are threatened. The trade partnership projects that 400,000 jobs will be lost among steel and aluminum users. Number 27, he said he'd make America safer. You believed him. But mass shootings keep rising, and Trump has failed to pass effective gun control legislation. After 17 died in Parkland, Florida, he promised immediate action on gun safety in schools, but has done nothing. 28. He promised to make two- and four-year colleges more affordable. You bought it. But Trump's most recent budget contains deep cuts in aid for low-income and first-generation college students, reduces federal work-study, and eliminates the 50-year-old Federal Supplemental Education Opportunity Grant Program, which goes to more than a million poor college kids each year. Number 29, he promised to eliminate the federal deficits and bring down the debt. You bought it. Yet, due to his massive tax cuts, mostly for corporations and the rich, and his military spending, the deficit is set to rise to $1 trillion, and the debt has ballooned to more than $21 trillion. Number 30, he said he'd release his taxes. I'm under a routine audit, and it'll be released, and as soon as the audit's finished, it'll be released. You bought it. He still hasn't released his taxes. There are 30 lies and broken promises that this guy has made. Vanessa, this promise is going to come to you first. Your thoughts? Lord Jesus, I wish I could have wrote some of that stuff down. Okay, so you know what? <laughs> I just, I'm trying to get dressed. I wish I could have wrote it down. Okay, so you know what? Let me finish what I was trying to say while it's still on my mind. Beto is not going to make VP. But Beto can help turn Texas blue. And he almost did it with Cruz. So I have to commend him for knowing he ain't going to do it or make it, but still trying to do something to help the party. So, okay. Now, let's go to line Trump. Lord Jesus. Okay. Trump 
is he, he I ain't heard nobody say nothing about these children and all the debt they have with college. I haven't even heard that discussed. So all of that was a bald faced lie because he knows that his daddy pushed him through school and bought his way through school. So Trump don't care nothing about no education. So let's move on to the cold. I think that Obama stopped a lot of the stuff that was going on with coal because so many people were dying from the coal mine. So I don't understand why these people are so hooked on being in the coal mine industry when so many of them are dying from it. Okay, so well, it's a dying industry. There's, there's, just, there's nothing happening with that. It's a dying industry. I mean, it's, it's not. It's it's not. It's not one of the future jobs. It's it's, it's not going to come back. Yeah. He, he says these things to get votes, and, and you know, and it's just it's it's ridiculous. Instead of you being honest with people and telling people that look, this is not coming back. This is an industry of the past. You know, it reminds it me is. of that because line that President Obama said. Uh, go ahead. Okay, let's go to go. the gun and the shooting. Did he yeah. just have a meeting or stand there at one of his speeches and say that to the NRA that he was not fixing to adjust the gun law? Did he just stand there and say that after all these people just died? Okay, so anybody who thinks that Trump is going to do anything against the NRA who is funding his political campaign is crazy. All of these children, I appreciate y'all getting out there, picking in and doing all of that. It ain't going to happen on Trump's watch. They need to just go vote and get folks to vote him out because Trump is just not going to do it. And his book vice president, uh, 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 Pence, ain't going to say nothing either. Both of them are the same person. They just got a different hairdo. Okay? So I... I just think that he's lied so much. Okay, then you had Amazon. Wait a minute. Then you had Amazon who was in a meeting who said, and they did an Amazon story because I texted y'all and told y'all look at it. And the Amazon man said, I paid the taxes that I was told to pay, which was none. None. Are y'all listening to me, people? I tell none. Amazon, who's got Amazon Prime trucks running all around my neighborhood because the warehouse is down the street. A billion dollar company did not have to pay taxes. Y'all go ahead and vote for that that, that company y'all want to. Go ahead. Go ahead. While he's making the rich richer. Because the middle class people who do have a little change, those, those middle class people, black, white, green, or purple, got enough sense to know how to stockpile their money and keep it while he sits there and makes the rich richer, the middle class going to stay middle class, and the poor people are going to get poorer. Y'all think about that. Y'all think about that. <laughs> I'll think about it. All right, let's get out to the phone lines here real quick. We have a caller. Welcome in to the side. Who am I speaking with? Steve over in Indiana. What's going on, Steve, over in Indiana? What say you this on this beautiful Sunday morning? Ah, uh, yeah, good morning, Jay and everybody. Well, the the problem I have is that with the, the beta world, it's like, okay, we, we have to keep everything in perspective. And, and moving left to President, former President Barack Obama, that's a bad idea. We shouldn't move further left from him. You got 750 to 850,000 law enforcement officers in this country. We've got 15 million AR-15 owners in this country. 
it's very irresponsible for him to 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 bring up gun confiscation. That's irresponsible. You, it, it's not. It, it, it's almost unless you have a robot police force, this probably cannot cannot even be done. Because you're going to spark a civil war, you're going to cause a whole bunch of problems, and and so I don't. You know, Democrats kind of need to really criticize him so they won't look extreme and kind of because they are people have already already clown, calling him a clown anyway. But Beto is just causing more problems with this gun confiscation and women are buying more guns than ever before. They're the new gun customers, women. So I don't know why that conversation is is is, is, is even had when we don't you know all you're doing is putting law enforcement officers at risk. And and the police captains even came out and said they've even told the politicians we're not going to enforce any gun confiscation. Okay? Your $50,000 police officer is not going to be taking light risks with his life just so that you can look good in front of the TV screen. So that issue, and then as far as the blacks voting for Trump, Stephen Nate, he's paying a lot of taxes, Jay. Yes, he's going to support the Republican Party and reducing taxes and things of that nature because he's a millionaire paying a lot of taxes. I would, I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that, but... They just he just wants to, us to do something different so that the Democrats will bring more to the table for supporting our community. That's what that's about. Me, I, I, I have problems with both parties. I've said that for years. You know, I, if I need to criticize the Republicans, I'm going to criticize them. If I need to criticize the Democrats, I'm going to criticize them because I had you know uh, Bush. I had a lot of problems with Bush. I had some problems with President, former President Barack Obama as well. So I'm independent. If I got to criticize you, I, I don't want to be labeled as a black Republican. But if I need to throw them under the bus, I need to be able to throw them under the bus as well. But Jay, what say you on, on on Beto and his gun confiscation and these little fantasies that he has? Well, the only thing I'll say to that, Steve, and I appreciate you, man, for checking in. The only thing I would say to that is, is that this is something that they've always thrown out there. I heard from a lot of Republicans, you know, you saw these people marching on Washington, you know, President Obama's going to take your guns, and, you know, it's the same old nonsense. Donald Trump says, we're going to respect our, you know, our amendment right to keep our weapons. Nobody's trying to take your guns. Now, what better work is saying, look, if you think about the premise of what he's saying, you don't need no freaking AR. 15 to be, you know, on the streets. There's no reason for that. That is a weapon of war. There's no reason for you to own that. You can't hunt with it. The purpose of that weapon is to kill people. That's it. Period. And so if there's no reason why you should have that weapon. What he's saying makes all the sense in the world. Now can he do it? I don't think so. I don't think he can do it. All right, let me swing around the table here real quick, get everybody's final thoughts on uh, what we've heard uh, here today. Jerome, let me get your final thoughts on this particular uh, topic, man. What do you think about this guy and all his lies and why Republicans still follow him? It's just nonsense. Give me your final uh, thoughts on this. Yeah, since you didn't get a general thought from me, my final thought is I don't really have Oh, I thought I did. I thought I did from the first 15. My bad. I'm sorry, Jerome. Go ahead. Give it to me. My bad. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't. Unless I have a question, I have no thoughts on him. I mean, it's the same. Um, <laughs> I was like, what's my final thought? I'm like, um, I don't know what my first one was. Oh, my bad, Jerome. Well, listen, he, well, you know, listen, we're not doing chatterboxes more because Mr. Elias is not here. So we'll, we'll take a few more minutes. But, but, but seriously, though, I mean, this guy, 
What's what's amazing to me is that, you know, Mr. Elias goes back and forth in the chat room with Trump supporters all the time. I don't even read half the comments I get from Trump folks because it's like, why are you listening to our show if you don't agree with what we're saying? Apparently, you're here for, I guess it's the same reason why some of us listen to Fox, right? You need to know what the enemy, I guess we're the enemy for the other side. It's just crazy how we put out what we can, we put out the facts. We tell you the truth. Everything that you heard about the, the 30 lies to this guy, so that's factual. You don't have to take our word for it. Just go do some research. Stop listening to, your, to, to Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and all those idiots over at Fox. Do the research. That's all you have to do. But what they do is they listen to these talking points, and then they go forward with that. Th- these are facts, what we're talking. He hasn't put together a freaking health care plan. Where is it at? He hasn't done any of this stuff. He hasn't shown his taxes. Now he's fighting not to show them. He he directed the uh, what's what's his name Mnuchin, Secretary Mnuchin, not to release his tax forms. I mean his tax returns. Right. When the law says Congress has the right to oversight, see see his uh, see that stuff, and he won't even release it. This is what's amazing to me, Jerome. How these idiots continue to follow this guy. The only thing the only thing that's missing. Are Nike gym shoes and grape Kool Aid? That's the only thing that's missing. That's it, Jerome. <laughs> well, you. you know, the whole thing is I don't think their expectations are are um, for him to be productive. That's why I'm amazed at people who say things like, "If the next person is going too far left, I'm still going to vote for Trump." Like that's crazy. He he's not doing anything that he said he was going to do for one. Exactly. And two, and two, he's doing much worse. Like, he pulled legislation for clean drinking water. He's allowing industry to pollute into your waterways more. Yep. Like, those are going on that. right now inside of the EPA. And he just we, did that. Right. And they cut food inspectors. They don't inspect your food as much as they did before. So can you imagine if salmonella or something broke out and they don't have the inspectors there? So they're gutting and your all of plumbers these don't have to be licensed anymore. The what doesn't? Your plumbers don't have to be licensed anymore to oh, go really? to school and be a plumber. They don't have to do that anymore. Your hairstylist can go and wash your hair and stuff and don't have to be licensed to do that anymore. So he cut a lot of licensing that people need to look up before they start getting work done on their house. Right, but but here's the, here's the problem is that while we're getting sidetracked about all these other things, he is gutting a lot of things that's sending us back into, like, the dark ages. Like, you know, they already pulled the legislation of, um, of um, what do you call it, energy-efficient light bulbs for some reason. Right? Everybody, all manufacturers make that stuff now. They pulled that legislation. Um, what's her name? Bachman put it in before she left office. She put it into the last bill before she left office and now he actually changed it so that they're not enforcing it on the federal side so we don't even have to have energy efficient jack no more so when we start talking about you know global warming or what we're doing to an environment or why your kids can't sleep because of you know um too much what do you call it whatever light that they're getting from their machines and how people eyesight are getting bad from looking at computers if they stop trying to cut down of the emitting uh, of, of light energy into your, into your face, 
we're going to have other kind of ailments for that. But instead of believing any kind of science, those guys are cutting that. And he also, I mean, they've also moved, you know, the EPA to, like, Kansas City or something, trying to get all the scientists to quit. They did that last month. They tried to sue them, tried to stop them. They didn't, they weren't successful. So they're trying to get rid of all of these things that is making your, um, that's trying to create more chaos. And I think what elite rich people have done generally in government, whether they're Democrat or Republican, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to do that because that's kind of evening the responsibility out. But what rich people do, they figure as long as the poor people keep fighting amongst stuff, more people are, are um, you know, fighting other causes, they won't care that they're milking them to death. They, they don't care that they're getting all your money. You don't care about seeing what other people are doing. You're just fighting amongst yourself for, amongst yourself for stupid stuff. So I think a lot of this kind of falls into that category of those guys really not, you know, paying attention to anything. So we get sidetracked so much in talking about, you know, what promises that he made, let alone what he's doing, has nothing to do with a promise that he's making. He is getting, like, that, the school health programs. They're gutting the nutrition programs. They're gutting um, the education department. I mean, they have not even put uh, – they're not even really fully staffed on that side of, of government. So, again, yeah. they're waiting for some big crisis, and what are they going to do, blame Obama? Of course. I mean, that's probably what he's going to do. But. Yeah, that's what he's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to do it. He's definitely going to blame President Obama for anything that he can't accomplish. That's just the way he rolls. All right, listen, we are over. So now we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, it's on a need-to-know basis. Got to get this in, guys. On a need-to-know basis with Mr. Jerome Spreece coming up next. You're listening to The Serious Side. Support for NPR and the following message come from HBO's The Deuce. It's 1985, and the party's winding down as VHS overtakes the pornography industry, NYC battles the AIDS crisis, and Times Square begins to change. Watch The Deuce, Mondays at 9 p.m., only on HBO. The Office of Guatemala's Human Rights Ombudsman has set some of its staff members to monitor a state of siege in parts of that country. Maria Martin has more. Guatemala's Human Rights Ombudsman, Jordan Rodas, told NPR that due to funding cuts, his office was only able to send 12 staff members to monitor human rights and in only two of the six provinces under the state of siege. Rodas says his people are reporting the military's taken over some schools, health centers, and a church, violating rights to education, health, and religious practice. The government has stated the church was taken over only temporarily. Meanwhile, a congressional committee is pressuring for even greater funding cuts for the Human Rights Office, which has often found itself differing with Guatemala's president, Jimmy Morales, and his allies. For NPR News, I'm Maria Martin. In Tokyo today, a test of athletic endurance, a year ahead of the Summer Olympics and Paralympic Games, which will take place in July and August of next year. A marathon was held to determine if organizers, athletes, and spectators will be able to cope with sweltering temperatures. It was relatively cool for most of today's race, but near the end, one runner said the sun came out and it was quite warm. Organizers want to make sure they can protect athletes from heat stroke and keep spectators cool during Tokyo's notoriously hot and muggy summers. 
temperatures there commonly exceed 86 degrees in the summer. I'm Louise Schiavone, NPR News, Washington. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? All right, folks, we're going to try to get some of this in this morning for you. It is time for On a Need to Know Basis with our main man, Jerome Street. Come on, Jerome, you got to get a lot in in a short period of time. What you got for me, brother? Oh, you know, and I was going to say, I think you missed Chatterbox, but I forgot you said you weren't doing Chatterbox today. So, okay, well, we'll get into some yeah. new story. All yeah. right. Um, you know, Ford recalled more than 338,000 of its 2017 Explorers sold, sold in North America after receiving um, 31 really? reports of people cutting their hands on a sharp um, frame edges of the power seat. So Ford announced that they what? do have a recall. Yeah, I, I don't know where it is, but they said it's on the edges of their power seat that people have been cutting themselves. So... They said it affects select um, 2017 Ford Explorer sold in U.S., Canada, and Mexico. I guess their the framing wasn't bent correctly or something on the seat. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, UAW um, contract with General Motors expires at the stroke of midnight and increases the likelihood of a strike. So the four-year contract between General Motors and the United Auto Workers has expired and negotiations um, on a new deal continues, but they're supposed to go on strike at midnight. Now, I can't remember the last time we had an auto workers strike in this country, but I guess the, um, you know, we had an auto crisis. People weren't, uh, the, the unions was more lenient towards the uh, manufacturers, and then once they started making money again, they still don't want to pay them. That's what it looks like to me, but. We'll see how that goes. Now, the U.S. Um, has fined Japan Airlines $300,000 for delays and trapped passengers on two grounded planes for more than four hours. Now, I remember Obama put a rule in for that. I'm surprised Trump didn't take that away. But the Transportation <laughs> Department says that after bad weather forced a flight from Tokyo to New York to land in Chicago, the staff needed to help people off the plane um, didn't show up for more than four hours. How do you sit on it? Anyway, I thought in an emergency <laughs> to say God. Vanessa, you can help me with that one. Um, aren't there other ground crews that you can call over if your ground crew is not available? Four hours just seems like a long time. That's why they're getting fined, I guess. Yeah, because then you All have right. no bathroom, no food, no nothing. Oh, yeah. Like I said, that's why the Obama administration put that in there. So who knows what they're getting? Who, who knows what the passengers are getting for um, for their inconvenience? But the airlines have been fined three hundred thousand. Now, a Texas mother of three says that vaping, her vaping habit, has landed her into a medically induced coma. So Sari Canada from Abilene, Texas, was rushed to the hospital on in June, where doctors found a buildup of fluid in her lungs and blood clots, which is believed to be caused by vaping. I don't know what they even say about yeah. vaping, but as you know, know. it's just it's bad, regulated man. and yeah. I didn't yeah. think anything would be worse than cigarettes, but apparently you can find something to get people off cigarettes into something that's worse. 
anyway, and that's crazy. Yeah, they're saying that it's, it affects teens more as well because younger kids are vaping, so they're getting more, they're having more problems. Now, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill on Monday to give his state government tighter authority over doctors who have been writing medical vaccine exemptions for children um, of anti-vaxxers. Now, again, I know we overuse that term slippery slope, but that seems crazy, California, that you can't opt out of vaccination. You should still be able to. If you homeschool your child... You should be able to not get a vaccine. Just wanted to say that for the record. All right. Now, Earth loses an area of forest the size of Britain each year with more than 64 million acres of trees lost annually since 2014. This is according to a new um, report. The Earth lost 26 million acres of trees from 2014 to 2018 which can impact wildlife and climate change. And then, by the way, the Brazilian Amazon continues to burn this week. So what are we on, week five of the Amazon um, burning? I wanted to put that out there, just in case you don't know. Now, drinking a cup of coffee each day is good for your brain, as scientists claim that it could help protect against anti, um, uh, against aging related decline. So researchers led by a team at the National University of Singapore found that participants who drank tea at least four times a week for around 25 years had better brain connections. That is a long study. (laughs) Had 25 years of figuring this out. All right. Now, nine states, nine U.S. states have become, um, have an obesity rate of at least 35%. Uh, more than ever before, according to a new map that was re- revealed this week, more than one-third of adults in Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and West Virginia were dangerously overweight, according to the data that was released by the Center um, of, for Disease Control and Prevention. They released it on Thursday. So they said it's a slight increase from 2017, um, where obesity um, prevalence was 35% or higher and only in seven states. But now, it's nine. So we're increasing. All right, now, a new flu season appears to claim the first pediatric victim, a California boy who's four, died of influenza-related illness. The four-year-old boy from, um, I guess it's Paris, Texas? I'm sorry, Paris, California, died in a flu-related illness, uh, was what health officials say, and it's the first flu death of the 2019-20 season. And that's Riverside County, if you wonder where that is. All right. Now, um, they said autism rates amongst, or autism rates in the U.S. are rising faster amongst Hispanic and black children, according to a new study by the University of Colorado at Boulder. It's found that autism rates rose 73% amongst Hispanics and 44% percent amongst black children born between 2007 and 2013. You know, we can do some health stuff later, but that is really high. Um, One of Brett Kavanaugh, who the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, one of his male classmates at Yale has alleged that the Supreme Court Justice made unwanted sexual contact with another female while at school. 
Now, the New York Times exposed the details of that story by his classmate, Matt um, Sear, and, um, who said that he saw Kavanaugh at a party with his pants down. Um, friends allegedly pushed him on um, a female student, and he told um, senators and the FBI about this, but the FBI didn't investigate before his hearing. That's according to the New York wow. Times. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. This stuff is going to keep coming out, right? Or so Unreal. Stories. Unreal. All right, so, yeah, Courtney Love, um, singer Courtney Love, claimed that Prince Andrew rang her doorbell uh, of her Hollywood home looking for sex after being inter- introduced by Jeffrey Epstein. And she said she made him tea and they chatted, but just because he was hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, he, he figured that he could just roll up on her is what this new story is coming out. That this... That story came from the Daily Mail, just in case you want to know where it came from. But they always have that wow. scene, Prince Andrew stories in there, um, and it's crazy. Now, a Long Island judge, um, 50, pled guilty to breaking into his 23-year-old neighbor's house and stealing her one mm. underwear out of his out of her clothes hamper. Now, what? Robert, yeah, th- there's a reason why I'm doing this. He's 50. He, he uh, pled guilty to second-degree attempted burglary. burglary in Nassau County Court. Um, this is on Long Island. And um, he broke to his neighbor's house. And um, a college dropout who went on to become uh, a multimillionaire drug dealer um, trafficking fentanyl and oxycodone, um, this guy Aaron Shamon, um, yeah, Shamo, um, they're saying that he made um, millions of dollars by just using his computer. He and a few friends. He called himself a white-collar drug dealer, but he finally got arrested. So see how – I just wanted to say that news story because how they frame that is if he was selling on the corner, he'd be dangerous to the community. But for him, they're like, oh, right. he's a college dropout, and, you know, he has a nice yeah, exactly. version of his story. Yeah. Now, um, uh, Antonio Brown, I know we covered him a little bit, but he lost an endorsement deal with the helmet, the helmet manufacturer, Zenith, um, and Good. his eligibility to play on Sunday um, with New England Patriots, um, I guess he's still eligible to play this Sunday, even though they have a sexual assault investigation. But he did lose his helmet endorsement deal. Good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one's good. He still gets to play, but he lost his deal. I don't know. Well, they need to, now, yeah, um, they need to just kick him out the league, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the story where uh, there was a picture of a white female cutting off the, the dreads of uh, another black teen. Um, it oh. says, for a better life, is what they had in the caption. It sparked a lot of uh, outrage online, but he said that he asked her to do it. She's his mentor who supported him after he um, uh, um, he lived in Chicago, and I guess he was in a little trouble and stuff, and so... Um, he's defending this guy, Kobe Richardson of Chicago, is defending Sally um, Hazelgrove um, after a picture of her cutting off his dreadlocks was shared on social media. And the picture went, the picture went viral on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, filmmaker Ava DeVernay retweeted it. And um, he came to her defense. You know, after he got 20,000 likes, you know, he came mm-hmm. to the defense. He said that he asked her to cut it off. Now, Hazel Groove, the woman, is the founder of a youth program, um, Crushers Club. 
and she has since publicly apologized, but she didn't say any more about it. Now, anybody who tells you if we just cut your hair, you can conform, that's still oppressive. It's like we were saying, I, I said earlier in the show, is that you don't go to black children and say, hey, if you just speak a little bit better English, that more people will like you. You're still conforming yep. us into white supremacy, so that's why people don't like it if she if she doesn't get it. Even if he agrees. Even if he asks her. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Even if he asks her, it doesn't really make a difference, right? Because the bottom line is it's what it represents more than, you know, what the intent was behind the act. I get that, man. All right, we have time yeah. for one more, Jerome, so give us one good one, brother, one. and we're out the door. Okay, yes, so sir. a bride and groom is telling their guests to bring chair, bring a chair and a sandwich to their wedding if they didn't RSVP on time. <laughs> so they're getting, like, praised, but the couple has been praised by a lot of users around the world on Reddit, uh, saying that their brutally honest wedding invitations, which ask guests to bring your own chair and sandwich if they won't RSVP on time, is catching fire. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. <laughs> But it is hilarious. I love it. I love it. <laughs> there you go. some good stuff, man. As always, my brother, appreciate you. All right. All right, folks. It's time for our final thoughts. And uh, ladies are first around here. Miss Vanessa May Belly from the McAnally Final Thoughts. Oh. Y'all, I just don't even know what to say. The debate was really good. Uh, they got off of my president, Barack Obama, and started praising him. And... Casper or whatever his crazy name is, his, he is in trouble, trouble, trouble uh, with the Democrats. And Trump needs to stop talking about joy on MSNBC because that's my girl. And sorry, Jerome, but I do love Joe at 5 o'clock in the morning, him and Mika. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, and, I watch, I watch um, it, but I do watch. I, I, I do, do watch, watch him at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I do like Don Lemon at 10 o'clock p.m., 9 o'clock. So, you know, I just think that people are really going to have to start paying attention. They're going to do one more round, I think, of 10, and then after that, it's a process of elimination. We're getting down to the wire, people, and we're, fixing, we're almost all right. into 2020. So people need to start listening to what these people are saying and figure out who Joe Biden's running mate is going to be. Uh, <laughs> other than that, go Texas. All right. Appreciate you as always. Thank you so much. Uh, the educator brother himself, Mr. Johnny D. Man, final thoughts. Once again, just want to say thank you, Jay, for the opportunity. Thank you for the rest of the contributors for allowing me an opportunity to have a voice. Thank you for the persons who allow us to come into their home. Um, one last uh, comment. Uh, Jerome has come up with some real relevant uh, information. Now, of course, I haven't validated it, but uh, I did hear on the urban radio show the other day, part of the reason why uh, Jay-Z is meeting such resistance with this NFL contract, that, that, that nonprofit out of Chicago, which is cutting young men's dreads, uh, he was said to have funded that or provided some funding at some point uh, under Rock Nation. So, again, haven't had the chance to validate it, but that could be some relevance uh, down the line. But, again, thank you all for the opportunity. All right, and if you're listening to the live show on all of the websites across the world, we're gone in 10 seconds. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. If you're listening uh, on podcasts or listening to your favorite, you know, 
There it is. Anytime the music increases, that means we're in overdrive. So anyway, uh, for you all who are listening to us uh, via, uh, you know, my God, Twitter or whatever, you're going to get the whole show. So, Mr. Jerome, let's read my final thoughts, sir. Well, you know, my thoughts are always um, the same, that everybody has to kind of let the political process play out. We have enough information on Trump to know that he already should be in jail. So debating anything else is just maddening. So everybody just hang in there and um, and have a good week. That's all I can say about that. You know, President Trump has come to the defense of Justice uh, Kavanaugh saying that people who have put out these false lies against him, he should sue them. You know, women who say that they've been sexually molested or um, se- sexual misconduct, that these women are lying. This guy is the biggest <laughs> liar on the face of this planet. And for people to continue to support this president is beyond me. He has shown right. you that he's a racist. He has shown you that he doesn't give a damn about women. He has shown you that he don't give a damn about the Constitution or any laws that he has been sworn to protect. What is it going to take, folks, for you to see that this guy is a liar and a fraud? It's unbelievable where this yo, country is yo, going. And for you guys to continue to support this guy is unbelievable to me. So let me just say this to all of you folks who listen to this show and continue to send this nonsense in about Trump and how great he is. Let me tell you something. Save your time because I'm not going to read it live. And for you folks who are my friends and you say you support this guy, guess what? Add two initials or two letters in front of friend, and they are E-X. And on that note, Mr. Jerome is free if it's Sunday. We're talking serious stuff. What time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you, and we appreciate you allowing us in your homes every Sunday morning. So, for Vanessa Maybelli, from the Macanelli, from Johnny D, and for my main man, Mr. Jerome Spree, I'm Jay Rowe saying have a great work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. See you next Sunday, folks. Hello!